Beginner's call. This is your beginner's call. Will all show beginners please make their way to the studio? Tonight's performance of Overstudies is about to begin. So today we're joined by Charlie McCullough, who is currently on stage in the West End as, well, multiple roles in Bonnie and Clyde. That's it, yeah. Swinging, covering, ensembling, anything I can to get ends meet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so very, very busy guy. But also, we've seen you recently in uh, 42 Balloons, so we've got a lot to talk about this episode. Um, so we're just going to dive straight into it, I think. Lovely. Yeah, definitely. Let's start at the very beginning. Um, for people who have just tuned in and have no idea who we're talking to, who is Charlie McCullough, I hear you ask. Can you sum Charlie McCullough up for us in five or so words? If you need to use a little bit more, that's fine. But sure. as succinct as possible. I thought it was going to be like a paragraph, five or so. Um, <laughs> quirky, loud, slightly funny Irishman. There we go. That'll do. Yep. <laughs> yep. Take all the boxes there. <laughs> it's always nice to see some people No, I can't do it at all in five words and just give us a, a sentence. And some people actually rise to the challenge. So yeah. Yeah, you've passed the first test. So on the back foot now I'm like oh god <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you are a performer mm -hmm. what was it that inspired you initially to actually train in performing arts and to to move into this as a career um so my mom always says when I was like really young we were at a Spanish resort and they were um acting out Phantom the Opera and just miming along with the like cast recording and I was like fascinated and I was like five years old and that was like the only musical I knew until I was like 16. Um, and then once I started like having to think about what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, I just I don't know. I just then that was when I decided I was like, oh, I'm going to learn more about this. And I like originally was meant to go and do A-levels and criminology and stuff. And then I just went and the day that I went to sign all the forms, I ended up doing a B-tech and performing arts um, and then just was like, oh, this is fun. And when I started working normal jobs, I went, I don't like this. <laughs> so I'll take the risk for the hope that that will make it worthwhile. Yeah, I always find it really interesting finding out how people got into performing because everyone has such a unique journey. And sometimes it is just as simple as I gave it a go and I just quite liked it. And I, I just love that. I love just taking the risk and taking the chance. Yeah, I think I was, I mean, I was always just obsessed with stories from quite a young age. Like, so I think, yeah, once I hit, I think I was... 15 and I did my school musical in the ensemble and then um my mum's work friend was like oh he should come and do some amdram and I was quite a quiet kid and then once I started doing amdram I sort of find my confidence and find all that and then I just slowly was like well I don't really want to do anything else um so then I just decided to take take a risk and I'm just very fortunate that 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 risk is currently panning out quite well but we'll see what happens i think that's that's a big thing though is that especially when you are young and at a levels who really knows kind of what they want to do um i did performing arts right through to the end of my a levels and it wasn't until i went to uni that i kind of left a lot of that behind me and now sometimes regret it maybe sometimes i'm a little bit like what if i had been able to um see that through but equally i i'm having the best of both worlds by having a stable job that pays the bills and I don't have to worry about what's around the corner mm. um but come and get to chat with people like yourself and kind of live a little bit vicariously through through performers which is 
I, I quite enjoy. To be fair, the table job sounds very lovely. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it has, it has its perks, but also we have to limit when we can be creative, which is sometimes a downside. Um, so, you know, getting to do the best of both worlds is definitely a plus. Um, do you have kind of like any big theatre inspirations? You've already mentioned that Phantom of the Opera was a show, the show that you knew. But was when you started to get involved with musical theatre, was there anyone that really caught your eye? Oh, man, that's going to be so awkward. Uh, yeah, so I like, obviously, Phantom of the Opera, and I got the, the 25th anniversary DVD, uh, yeah. which had Ramin playing the Phantom. And then one of my first jobs was with, was with Ramin. Um, he actually saves his number in my phone and put, like, the company name, so that little thing comes underneath is My Hero. And I was like, you're such a um, I didn't even say any of this to him because I was like, I refuse to be embarrassed. But I just think he could tell because as soon as I was in the room, I was just like staring at him, like, please be my best friend. Um, so, and I'm working with him again later this year and I'm quite excited because now I'm like a bit more of an adult. I'm hoping that uh, it'll be a bit more like level. Um, but yeah, I think I think Ramin was one. Um I also really loved like Drew Sarich uh, and the sort of crazy rock vocals that he did and and Adam Pascal in Rent. I think when I discovered Rent, I was like, oh my gosh, you can have rock and musical theatre. This is like right up my emo street. Uh, so yeah, I think they would be the sort of three three guys when I first started. And then I started finding people like Paul Alexander Nolan and just loads of, there's so many good people and I could just go through lists of them. Great. Yeah, I think it must be so exciting to work with people that you've looked up to for so long. Um, I can't even imagine what that was must have been like. Oh, it was very embarrassing. I went in for my first day of rehearsals and uh he was singing Who Is She? And I was standing in the corridor and I think I sent a video to my girlfriend of just me freaking out, like I'm about to go into this room. And then I went in and they were like, Charlie, let's sing your solo. And I absolutely was bricking it. But he's a really lovely man, which makes it quite easy. You know, they said, like, don't meet don't meet your heroes. And not that I would say, I'm not refused to say that he's my hero because I'm going to see him again later. And I, I don't want that hanging over my head. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, he's a really lovely guy. And then that makes it really easy to work with him. And, um, yeah, we would chat quite a lot because the show was quite political. And it would be quite fun to discuss our, like, upbringings and stuff. He had, we both related to my character quite a lot. And we had lots of nice little chats about it. But it was like a week intensive, as this one will be again. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. But I'm excited to... Uh, I feel like this time when I meet him, I'll be meeting him as uh, someone who's got a bit more experience, someone who's a bit more level-headed, instead of the guy that's like relatively fresh out of drama school and is like, why the hell have I got this job? So for anybody who's a little bit confused at what show we might be talking about, this is Dr. Zhivago, which you were in previously, and is going to be in concert later on this year. Tell us a little bit more about kind of that show for people who might not be familiar with it and also your experience with it beyond working and meeting with Ramin. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, uh, Dr. Vago is like one of the most famous novels by uh, Boris Pasternak, um, which he was uh, won a Nobel Prize for, but due to the sort of Soviet Union and everything that was happening in Russia at the time, he actually had to turn it down. Um the story behind it is almost more fascinating, this idea of how all of the different governments uh, in the world were trying to leak this manuscript because they just knew that it would shatter the Soviet Union. 
Um, but the story is at its core a love story um, and follows a character known as Yuri Zhivago as he sort of um, lives through the First World War and then lives through the Russian Revolution. Um, and he falls in love with a young woman called Lara, who's played by Selena Schoenmaker, um, who's sort of a, a working class woman. And I play her husband, who is a sort of begins a show as this young, naive idealist who wants to overthrow this corrupt society and create a utopia. And he wants it now, um, but he wants to do it through peaceful protests and peaceful means. But the world doesn't work like that. And instead of rising above it, he decides to get more and more twisted and take darker turns in order to create the world he wants to create. That sounds like a really interesting show. It's not one that I know that much about. So I think I'm definitely sold already. I love a bit of a uh, dark theatre sometimes. Yeah, it's great. It's, and it's got a beautiful score by Lucy Simon, uh, who passed away, I think it was earlier this year, um, the end of last year. Um, but it's got this, it's a beautiful score and they have got massive orchestra. Um, and it's just got these big sweeping tunes of romance and war and anthems and everything. It's very, it's very musical theatre, but also it's great fun. Definitely one that we're looking forward to and keeping an eye out yes. for. We're also looking forward to your current show and roles, which is in Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, you were part of both the original London cast in 2022, and you're now back in the Garrick Theatre in 2023. As we've said, playing all manner of different <laughs> roles. Um what has it kind of been like taking a show from quite a small venue in its kind of debut to then bringing it to a bigger theatre in what's kind of a revival, but also is an evolution from, from what we're kind of understanding and hearing. Talk to us a little bit about that experience, I suppose. Uh, it's quite, yeah, it is quite interesting because when we did it the first time, we had like four weeks rehearsal and there was a lot of playing around and I was the Ostage swing. And I remember just, watching a lot of it from the outside and just trying to be on top of everything but the the when we moved it over here we only had two weeks rehearsal and we had quite a few new cast members and we were also recording the cast album at the same time and there was just a lot going on but it was a really really quick turnaround it was like go 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 and while like yeah there's a there's changes in the script and there's changes with like you know songs cut new stuff added and during the like three previews we had the show changed a lot um it's it's at its heart it's still the same show anyone who's seen the arts is going to be like at home with it but it feels different like having so much space because the arts is so tight that uh one of the things i really enjoyed about the arts is it feels like the characters are just jumping off the stage the music is just bouncing everywhere but then the fun thing with the garrick is it's so slick and there's so much more that we can explore because we've got the space and we've got the environment. So I feel like people coming in who've seen it from the arts are going to feel at home with it, but there's lots of pleasant surprises. While also the um, people that come in new are just going to see this very slick, beautiful show, even though it's quite a dirty show. It's quite a pretty show at the same time. Uh, but yeah, it's been, it has been strange. It's been my first time doing it, uh, going back to a job for a second time and not having all the same people there. Um which is always really interesting. At the beginning, I find it quite uh, nerve wracking. And then now I find it, it's actually really exciting uh, to just see what different people do. Like, as I said to you earlier, that today we've just had our second cover Bonnie go on with barely any rehearsal and just have to make decisions on the fly and just go with it. 
And I think that's really, it's so exciting to just get to do that. Our kind of name for the overstudies came from our love of swings, covers, understudies, etc. We're overly enthusiastic about them all. And that's something that we love and why we try and go out of our way to see people who don't always take on the roles is because you can see some really interesting interpretations. And then particularly for people who aren't like the first cover or the alternate, again, there is often that that um, element where they haven't had as much rehearsal time or or often they haven't even rehearsed against like the people they're playing then against the the role against on the um on the night so seeing how that all blends together does create even as an audience member some really unique experiences yeah. so it, it's really exciting to kind of hear that that works as well for for the performers yeah it is yeah it is like it's it's, it's its own special magic like i remember i i spent a lot of time like last year i always rehearsed with any guy and this year sydney he's just went on his bonnie we rehearsed together quite a lot because we're both first cover for Buck and Blanchard and second cover for Bonnie and Clyde. So anytime we rehearse, we rehearse together, even though the likelihood is we'll probably never do it together. Um, although never say never. Um, but uh, but you never know. And and that is so exciting in itself. I remember last year going on with Nat McQueen for the first time when I played Buck and I was just like, I've, I barely know you. <laughs> like, I've met you briefly and now now we're being husband and wife and it's like right and we're in church and we're going to just snog fine great let's do it fine okay and it is this magic because you don't know what to expect from them and i think it it means that everyone is just switched on everybody's on their a game and the adrenaline that that person has can bring out some amazing choices even though sometimes some things go awry but a lot of the time audiences don't notice it unless it's an obvious slip up yeah, and I think for something that's such like a character-led piece like Bonnie and Clyde, having that intensity must bring out some really interesting things. And are there any kind of moments that particularly stand out for you when you've been on as a cover? Um, well, I've been on as a cover. I've been quite, I haven't actually went on to, I've mainly been doing split tracks with my own sort of smaller track this year. Um but yeah, I think um, stuff like Raise Little Hell Reprise uh, is like when you go on as a cover is just crazy. There's so many moving parts. And you think because there's these scenes in between the sections of the song that you're going to have time to rest. And you really don't because <laughs> it's like, I oh, no, you need a quick change. Now you need to put the jacket on. Now here's blood for your hands. OK, here's a gun. Oh, I'm right. All right. Great. And then you're running on stage. And so you are like that sequence. I was remember because you're on the run from the cops. And I always remember being like, I feel like I'm on the run from the cops. I'm out of breath. I'm exhausted. I don't know what's going on. Like, I'm just trying to like, but it's it's so riveting. And I, I really enjoyed last year because when I made my Buck debut, I actually made my Buck debut with Barney, who was first cover Clyde. So we both went on as covers and we rehearsed a lot together and we went to uni together. So it was like, when we did When I Drive, it was this really surreal moment where it was just like, we rehearsed together, never thought we'd be on together. And now here we are beating the life out of each other with newspapers and just being like, this is mad. It's so, yeah, I think that it's kind of, you just never really know what to expect with it. I mean, speaking of When I Drive, you actually performed that at West End Live last year. Yeah. What was that experience like? That was a really, that was a really weird day because that was my birthday. And um, I found out the night before that that was happening um, because my girlfriend, well, I'd made plans. So I was like, look, if you want me to do it, I have to know the night before. Um, 
and yeah and i'd had no time to really figure out what we were going to do on stage and like as i said before like doing west end stuff like i i was doing a just after lockdown i was doing a play in germany when when um covid was start, starting to go around and i remember we did like an audience for like six people six people and then like literally six months later there's got how many thousands and you're just like stood there and i think i don't think you see it in the video because the video is on jordan but i think i'm pretty sure i remember running out and just stopping and being like <gasps> like the breath came out i was like oh my gosh look at the amount of people here it was insane but yeah it's really exciting and it's it's amazing because the fans of the show are just love it so much and that makes it exciting doing it especially doing it as a cover because you know that even though you're not the person that they're expecting, they have so much love and excitement just to see you. And I thought being a cover and swing people would be miserable if I went on. They'd be like, what? He's here. But there, it's the complete opposite. It's people come in flocks to see what you're going to do. And it's, it's really, it's really lovely. It's a really nice feeling as well when you're bricking it to know that the people are excited to see you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was at West End Live, so I actually saw that and the energy in the crowd. Everyone's just always so excited to see what people can do. Mm. And I think being fans of a show as well, we've for many shows returned for covers. Like it's something that we like. We like to see the different choices that people make. So I think there's a lot of appreciation for swings and covers going around at the moment just because, of course, of course there should be but everyone just likes to kind of see those different choices and like when you know a show those little tweaks can completely change the vibe but like in the best way yeah but is that there's so much excitement as well because when you do it like you know sydney going on today like you when you when you start rehearsing them you never know if you're going to go on or not i i rehearsed clyde all of last year and then i never went on i'd one day where i almost went on and i never went on um, and I feel like it should almost be a thing that every cover gets like a, one guaranteed show for what they cover because one, it'll sell because people will want to see it. And two, it just means that also I think it'll encourage them to do better work because they know they're going to go on. So they're like, well, I need to do it. Yeah, it's I, this is something that we've we've long said is that actually there absolutely is a demand for everybody who covers a role to have a performance. And whilst it'd be great to have all the covers on at once, obviously on a practical level, that becomes very impractical very quickly, particularly with smaller cast. But even just to turn around and go, right, you know, yes, today Charlie is going to be covering Clyde. Give everyone a week's notice like that. That will sell out in minutes. Yeah. Because there are so many people, not just with Bonnie and Clyde, but with so many shows, there is such a huge fan base nowadays and it's even as audience members it's really nice to kind of learn about a show or see how excited people get about shows even if it's a show that doesn't necessarily like gel with us seeing other people get joy from it is yeah. is actually really yeah yeah i completely agree so we're going to move along from bonnie and clyde to um our second job which is <laughs> the unofficial pr team for a little show <laughs> 42 balloons oh. yeah we we're running the fan club at this point. <laughs> I mean, you're doing a great job then. <laughs> like... Charlie, obviously you were in this show, not just in this show, you led this show um, for three three days, three nights and a matinee in November last year. Um, you are the third person we've had on to talk about this show um, because we will 
get everybody on. I think that's our unofficial name now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we spoke to Laura a couple of weeks ago, uh, Laura Dawn Pyatt, and then we spoke to Jack Godfrey uh, back when the run was still happening. Yeah. So regular listeners will be aware. Uh, from what we understand, you're already aware of this anyway, as will everybody who's probably listening. We adored this show. This show could have been written exclusively for us, quite frankly. What was it like to lead a brand new musical um, like in its kind of biggest staging to date? Uh, I mean, well, for, first of all, like, and I said this to Jack, I was like, this, it was a dream come true. Do you know, like we we talked about, like when you get into it, and you're like, ah, oh. and, and you doing Bonnie and Clyde was, was a dream. And that was my West End debut. And I was like, wow. And I love the show, but then to do something completely original. And the thing about it was, is that you never know, so we got sent all of these demos with Jack playing every part, which were phenomenal. And if the show ever takes off, he has to release them because they're hilariously brilliant. And they're also so smart. And he does voices for all the characters. So you know, who's who brilliant, but um, mm-hmm. you, we all came in with ideas for what that show was going to be because you don't have a reference point. Um, yeah which is exciting and stressful because it means when you're in a rehearsal room, not so people don't always see eye to eye because what I've interpreted as, and, but that's also where the magic comes from is the disagreements and the arguments and the questions. But I always will remember going out that first night and being like, this could absolutely tank. Like this could go down terribly and had no idea how the audience were going to respond. I'd sort of made a choice that I really wanted to play Larry, Larry really naturalistically. And like, because everyone else is quite heightened. I wanted to keep him as grounded as possible and have that pantomime feel of like, come with me in an adventure and dreams are going to come true and we're going to have a great time. But like, I don't think I expected how much the audience were going to get on board. Like that first night after Big Balloon, the my first big number the, the audience was so loud every single person on stage missed the entrance for the next song couldn't <laughs> hear the band and then i got off because i didn't get a lot of time off in act one but i got off in act one with evie and we were sat side we stood side stage taking a quick neck of water and i just remember both of us being like are we just are we doing the are we doing the next cult british musical like is this it like is this what we've signed up for and we had no idea and it was so oh man it was yeah, it was. Yeah, I I was. I remember just. I think there was quite a few of us came off the stage in the first night and just broke down into tears in our dressing room because <laughs> we were like, that was insane. Yeah, it was. I mean, we saw it and we looked to each other at the end of the, not even at the end of the first number, like halfway through the opening number, just being like, this is, yeah. this is good. And then because we were there on the first night, so we wouldn't, we didn't notice that key, like we noticed a few little things that had clearly not quite worked but yeah. that's also to be expected when you're seeing something on like the first preview on the first night and all the rest of it yeah, yeah. but for me i had to go at the interval i had to leave halfway through because i had to go to work to the day job <laughs> i was on night shift. and so i've seen 42 balloons one and a half times um but we just looked in that like what 15 minute interval we had we were just like this is incredible and i was so sad that i had to go because you're absolutely right. Even we were like, is this, and we still say it now, this is, we're convinced is going to reappear and is going to be the next big British musical because it is so, as we, well, we said it in, in our interview with Jack, it is just such a 
interesting story and one of those like character pieces that's getting everybody kind of going across theater at the moment is really super relevant in kind of having a dream and, and following it through but also the soundtrack and the way that it all works is just we loved it and and to see a cast who also was so on board with everything that was going on like you could just tell how excited everybody nervous don't get me yeah. wrong but Reckon excited it. as well. <laughs> But I think, again, that's that's not to say that like being nervous is a bad thing at all. I think when you you are starting a brand new show like that, I'd be more worried if I couldn't tell that you were all bricking it a little bit. Yeah. And I think with it being such a character led piece as well, did you do a lot of research into Larry? Because I have to admit, I didn't know everything before seeing the show. Yeah. So when I auditioned for it. Um, it was one of the first times my agent had sent me something and been like, I, do you think you'd be interested in this? Like, as if, like, I might say no. And and I was like, yeah, sure, why not? I've not got anything else. Like, this was genuinely where my brain was. And then when I listened to it, I was like, okay. And it's the first show I've auditioned for where I kept the audition material just so I could sing it in my bathroom, just because I loved it so much and I loved where it sat. And... I was obsessed with it and I used to sing it all the time. And then I started watching like the Letterman interviews and trying to find that information out even before I got the job. And when I got the job, yeah, I tried to do so much research and it's really difficult because there's not that much. Like he, he, he didn't give that much away. And I think Jack's done a really good job filling in the blanks and even telling the audience when it's like, we don't really know how this happened, but this is how it's going to be. Like, there's a line in uh, up up in the air where there's something like that. It's like, and this is how we think it happened, or this is how we think it started, but we're not really sure. And I was, uh, I love that because it's like, we don't, we have enough of the information that we can enjoy it. And actually, one of the really interesting things about research was um, we never knew what Carol looked like. No one knew what Carol looked like. There's no pictures of Carol. You know, there's like a little description in a book when someone goes to interview and she's wearing like a cat decal top that's as much as we have um and one of the nieces great nieces i'm not sure the exact family connection to carol uh on opening night sent us a picture like a family photo and i remember like showing it to evie and being like it's carol <laughs> like because we had no idea what she even looked like we were just we knew what larry was and we had no idea what carol was but we just tried to make do and jack sent us all of this information that he had used for writing it because it was so hard to find. That was one thing you touched on how it can sometimes the show is quite self-aware. And that was something that we really enjoyed. Like in the opening number, you, you've got the, um, and you can look it up uh, and it show. actually happened. You can look it after the show. And I was like, that, that's actually like quite cool um, to kind of work in that almost meta way of referring to events, but it was so, like Jack had a way of making it just so seamless as well. It wasn't like it was inserted. It was it was actually really good fun. Yeah, I think he did a great job. Like there is that it's that Brechtian alienation, that thing of like using third, getting characters talk about themselves in third person so that it like encourages the audience to see them as a character and like dissect them then later when they when they think about it. But I, I always loved it because Larry never referred to himself in first person until up and away. Um, and that's the only time he does it in the whole show. And then he immediately, when he knows what he's about to do, he immediately cuts back into third person. And it's like a representation of him cutting off from his feelings, cutting off from his emotions, cutting off from like dealing with it to just be like, nope, third person, I've got a job to do, which is heartbreaking. But it's 
I thought it was one of my favorite bits of writing that Jack did. It was like the fact that he, I don't think he ever speaks about himself in first person besides that point. It's all leading to it. The more we hear about this show and the more we like think back and look at it, we just, the more we love it. It, <laughs> it is such a well thought out and, and kind of planned and created show. And like I say, if, if we haven't seen the last of it, I will be, well, no, I, 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 I'm going to, I'm already on record saying we will see it again. So I'm going to just keep, keep saying that. <laughs> like, <committed> to this <laughs> we will personally make it happen. Um, were there any particular, like, obviously you've touched on a couple, but any more like highlights of playing Larry or was there a favorite song, either of Larry's or in the show as a whole? Um, yeah. One of my absolute highlights was actually a thing that when we first discussed in the, the um, rehearsal room, I thought was sounded really naff, which was sitting on the edge of the stage for the flight and like talking to the audience about it. And I was like, oh, I feel like that's too much. And then, you know, when we actually got on the stage and done it, I was like, okay, this is kind of cool, but I'm still not sure how I feel about it. And then when we did it on the first night, it was brilliant. Like it was brilliant because seeing people, I think like, you know, a lot of people didn't know what was going to happen to him. And like the fact that you spent it, it's such a bonkers idea. That getting this moment where you just get to sit and be like, I've done it, I've done it. And they're, and they're all just like smiling and laughing. And sometimes you'd see people crying because they were like, he actually did it. Like this absolutely crazy thing. And I always loved that moment. And similarly, then up and away, because it's another moment where Larry talks directly to the audience and is right on the edge of the stage. And you can see the audience. And it's that moment of watching them work see what he's going through but also work out what he's going to build to and what where it's where the story's going to end and i remember on the first night and i the first night it actually really took me by surprise and i had quite a strong emotional reaction to like watching this audience slowly realize what was going to happen and it was i think those are like two theatrical moments that i'll take with me to the grave like i'll be like that was like a peak peak moment yeah, I mean, it's one of the best numbers in the show, I think. It's yeah. such a strong number. Get, gets me in the feels thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of musical uh, moments that are like quite big. So moving away from 42 Balloons, because unfortunately we haven't got all day. Um, we want to, there's a few more things we want to <laughs> find out as well. Um, Talking, thinking like musical theatre in general, is there a moment in a musical that brings like a rush of serotonin to your brain um, or, or any like highlight moment that makes you really like feel the feelings or, or be really happy or anything like that? Oh man, that's such a good question. And I'm really struggling to think of one. Um, oh, I have so many and I just like can never, I always love one of the first one that's coming into my head is um, Judas's why at the end of the last supper. And it's just, it, I think it's because it's so high, it's painful, but it actually, like, it hurts and I love it. Um, but there's, there are, oh, there's so many and I just can't even think of them. I love hearing, like, at work every day when Frankie sings Dying In So Bad and she hits that dusty air. And I sit side stage pretty much every night. Same with any, Jordan and, Jordan and Barney as well in, the, in a Raise Little Hell the Ed Crowder moment. I'm like, oh, it's just great. Like, it's really fun to do a job where you get to sit side stage and you're just like, I watch this every night. It's great. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, I'm trying to think. 
And then just EB singing helium, EB singing anything in 42 balloons was, I've never felt so fortunate to just be on stage with someone and be like, wow, you're really good. You're, you're really good. I'm, I'm so lucky to just be stood here. It's great. <laughs> I think all of those moments are like such great moments of musical theater. I, I think they'd be on my list as well, to be fair. Yeah, absolutely. One of We ask this question to everybody and it's always just so nice seeing what everybody comes up with but also actually there are a few key like jesus christ superstar comes up a lot for instance yeah. um so yeah it's it's always really kind of interesting to ask yeah yeah and i mean speaking of other shows are there any particular roles that you would love to play is there like a dream role that you have in mind larry walters no um uh i mean i just want 42 balloons to come back man i'm absolutely fighting for it i just i think i've peeved off the producers by just constantly emailing like what's happening <laughs> um well um i'm trying to think i would i'd love to play fiero and wicked i'd love to play um i'd love to be judas or jesus and like jesus christ superstar um but really it's really interesting because i think growing up like you you hear about all these amazing music like almost ryan lem is i'd love to do phantom and phantom and but the thing is that my career has been really weird in that for me, I've actually went, most people start in those big shows and then they start to do more and more original stuff. Whereas I've just sort of found my way into this original new new work area and I love it. So I just kind of am really excited to hopefully keep seeing more British, new British musicals coming out and um, and get to explore that and, and hopefully have a show like 42 Balloons that blows up, takes off, soars and maybe balloons will be that show who knows i hope so if it is we will certainly be there on opening night on the front row yeah we'll <laughs> we'll join you in harassing everyone by uh tweeting every week yeah. about how much we love it yeah. so <laughs> i say i mean i've already said them i was like even if i'm not in it i'll be there and opening night screaming like this i'll be going nuts yeah <laughs> Um, so unfortunately we are now on to the final question, um, which is another one we like to ask everybody. It's actually the most important question of everything that we've asked so far on the, uh, on the podcast. That is, what is your go-to coffee order? My go-to coffee order? Oh man, I'm so basic. I'm just like straight up flat white. <laughs> I was like, flat white, please. I'm either basic or boring. One of the two. If, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Like sometimes you just got to know what you like. I just think sometimes coffee should be coffee. <laughs> like, I think if it gets too sweet, I can't drink it. And then, like, if it's too bitter, I can't hack it. Like, I'm just like, I just like it. Like, I'm like an old man. I'm like, I like it like this. It's the way I like it. Don't touch it. We're the same, to be fair. We're yeah. both, we know what we like, and that's what we have to have. And there's a lot to be said for for knowing what you like and sticking with it. E.g. 80s musicals with the words balloons and 42 <laughs> in the name. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. I think that's everything that we wanted to ask. Is there anything else that you want to shout out in the little time we've got left together? Just, um, yeah, if I've, Dr. Vago's starting on the 7th of May, you know, if you don't want to watch the coronation or you can get into London during that chaotic time. Um, and just that 42 Balloons is great. And if we get if it comes back, please get a chance to see it and support your swings and understudies because they are great. I can just I'm saying that because I can hear uh Alex, who is our cover preacher, warming up and practicing at the moment, and it sounds amazing. So I'm just like, support your understudies, they're great. We're we're so excited to come and see the show. Um, Charlie, thank you so much for coming on the overstudies and having a chat with us. It's been, been wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. No worries.
we will catch you in definitely in body and clyde really uh well by the time this goes out on air we will have already seen you in body and clyde yes. and no doubt you were fantastic um <laughs> We will definitely try to in Dr. Zhivago as well. And we encourage everybody else to do so. But for now, um, yeah, thank you again so much and have a wonderful show. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you very much. Thank you so much to Charlie there for sitting down and having a chat with us. That was a really insightful little conversation, actually. Yeah, it's always great hearing about show development and the things that progress through shows, but also just like, I love hearing about how people get into performing as well and what actually draws people to performing. One of the very most exciting things though, since we sat down and had that chat with Charlie, there's been some exciting developments. Yes. So Charlie actually made his Clyde debut in Bonnie and Clyde three days maybe after we recorded that. Yeah, literally like... Not long after at all. No. And talking about like learning to, about covering roles and chatting with Charlie about it, being like, I might not even get the chance to cover that role. To then do that a, a handful of days later, like incredible. Absolutely amazing. And I was so glad we got to be there. Yeah. As we mentioned in last week's Bonnie and Clyde episode, we got to see Charlie make his Clyde debut the atmosphere was incredible in the Garrick Theatre. It was so funny. You could tell people had just dropped everything to be there and were like ready to see this show. I was in bed in my pyjamas when the news dropped and I have never moved so quickly. A, first of all, to get your attention to be like, bestie, I need you to be giving me a yay or nay very shortly. And then as soon as I sent that message, I was there getting tickets and being like, right, do we want to see this? And we did. Obviously. We did. Yes. And I'm so glad we did. Charlie's take on Clyde was phenomenal. Very different. Very different. But in like the <laughs> best way. Yeah. It's, don't want to go into too much detail because I know Charlie's probably going to be what uh, listening. So we don't want to like ambush <laughs> um, a review on, on him, if that makes yeah. sense. But one of the things that we love a lot as huge fans of covers, understudy swings and all that jazz. I personally, and I think I speak for you as well here, like it when covers put their own take on a role. A hundred percent. Like, I don't just want to see somebody doing a carbon copy of the lead and Charlie's Clyde was different in the best way. I think this is the beauty of seeing covers, swings, understudies is that like art in general, the characters are subjective and you can have a very different opinion on a character. And I just love seeing that come through. And even when it's, you know, someone who is a historical figure, you can still put your own spin on it and see how it would feel to put yourself in their shoes and just really just unleash whatever you think they might have been thinking because we don't know no and i, I unleash is absolutely the right word because a little hell was definitely not just raised but unleashed i genuinely think props were broken there was a mic swinging around there were props breaking it was intense it was such an intense like, i was on the edge of my seat as we said in last week's podcast like it's not body and clyde isn't my favorite show and there are moments that are not incredible but on charlie's debut i was on the edge of my seat like i was scared of 
back Clyde. Yeah. Like my, when, my jaw when drops. There's times when like Clyde is swinging a gun out towards the audience and like these are prop guns. These are not real. But I was like, maybe it is. <laughs> yeah, actually I might be in danger. <laughs> yeah. And I think as well with Charlie in particular to have gone from a character like Larry Walters in 42 Balloons, who's quite, has a dream, but he's quite soft. Yeah. Like isn't very forceful. Yes. To then go and see such a terrifying character is just such testament to Charlie's talent. And I'm, I'm was so pleased that we got to see that. Yeah. Two very different, but troubled characters. One internalized, one very much unsure. That is such an interesting compact, like contrast. I think it was just fantastic. I'm going to have to go and see Dr. Zhivago now just to see like another character, just to see what else is, is in that tank. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Thank you once again to Charlie for having a chat with us. We really do appreciate your time. Congratulations as well on your Clyde debut. Yes. Um, I mean, hopefully next we'll be seeing your Larry debut on a big West End stage as part of full production. I am manifesting it at this point. Eventually, if we keep saying it enough, 42 balloons will come back and then it will never go away and we will just be in the front row every... We will have our own seats. Like, let's be honest, they will just put plaques up for us. It will come back just to get us to stop talking about it. We will stop talking about this show if you revive it. That's a promise. We'll yeah, stop talking about it after... It. No. <laughs> <laughs> I have my fingers crossed. <laughs> Who will be next on our 42 balloons um, uh, crusade? Yeah, we're collecting these uh, creatives like Pokemon cards at this point. We are the unofficial 42 Balloons fan club. So give it a matter of time. Give it a couple more weeks and we'll probably have someone else that we want to talk to. Yeah. And if you're sick of hearing about 42 Balloons, then you know what to do. Go and find another podcast. <laughs> yeah, simply leave because we will not stop. Um, no, we do genuinely love that show. And any opportunity we get to talk about it, we will do because... We we still, we think we've not seen the last of it. We're convinced that we've not seen the last of it. I mean, you can tell both from when we spoke to Laura and speaking to Charlie today, how much these guys adore that show as well. When you have the performers who are also so much like bring it back, that tells you everything you need to know about how special a show is. So I, I think you're right there. I don't think we've seen the last of it. Yeah, fingers crossed anyway. If you do want to let us know your thoughts on any of what we've spoken about or indeed any of our previous episodes, or if you've got ideas for people who you would like to us to chat to on the show in the future, you can get in touch with us. You can do that by going to overstudies.co.uk. And once you get there, you can. There's a contact form, which uh, if, if you need help filling that out, Charlie will give you a full detailed explanation. Uh, just drop her a message. <laughs> which you can do by going onto an email and just get both of us to be honest yeah stage at overstudies.co.uk and if that's not for you we're also on social media you can go on to twitter at overstudies and you can go on to instagram at overstudies blog you're losing the plot here aren't you babe a little bit and um if you're really lucky you can direct a pigeon in the right sort of direction or and indeed for the best yeah or just direct 42 weather balloons yeah we'll keep we're always keeping an eye out for 42 weather balloons to come our way yeah and a lawn chair yeah um so do let us know about any of that and your thoughts uh, we're gonna go away now before we descend into just complete and utter uh, it wouldn't be overstudies if there wasn't a little bit of chaos somewhere yeah that's true um but 
thank you so much for listening thank you again to charlie for all of your time uh having a chat with us we really, really do appreciate it all yes and the only thing left to say is like subscribe and we'll see you next time we will indeed bye bye